0: everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Fedon podcast, where we will have conversations with experts on the science of aging and longevity therapeutics. Today, we will introduce the Fedon Institute, the upcoming inaugural Senate Summit that will take place later this year, and the podcast itself. We are here with Dr. Marco Cuarta, CEO Robedo, Life Sciences, co-founder and director of the Board of Torrent Biotechnologies, and the founder of the Fedon Institute, and the chair of its scientific committee. We are also here with Dr. Marco De Maria, member of the Scientific Board of Fedon, professor at the University Medical Center, Grogingham and European Research Institute for the Biology of Aging, co-founder of CLIRA Biotech, president of the International Cell Senescence Association and editor-in-chief of NPJ Aging, and myself, Dr. Elena Itskovich, an advisor to the Fedon Institute and host of the Macademia podcast. Faden Institute is a non-profit charitable organization that operates with the mission of supporting and enabling an effective and sustainable growth of the field of aging and longevity sciences and therapeutics. The Faden Institute will hold international summit conferences to promote biomedical research of aging, increase knowledge, exchange among physicians, scientists, entrepreneurs, and others in the health fields, support networking between all the individuals that are operating in field of longevity sciences therapeutics, and governance, as well as keep the public informed of the progress of aging research, develop interventions, and therapeutics. And of course, this podcast is one of the ways in which we want to achieve some of those goals for the Institute of Forming Connections between the different stakeholders in age research and therapeutics, as well as keep an open route of information sharing between aging and longevity experts and the public. Marco Quarta, could you please tell us a bit more about yourself and the role in founding the Fedon Institute?
1: Yeah, thank you, Elena. Um, it's really exciting to kickstart our first podcast and, and talk a little bit about our upcoming initiative at the Fedon Institute and Summit. I'm an academic by training. Initially, I've been working on the aging field for many years. Uh, in Stanford, where I was uh, directing for more than a decade a Center of Excellence, uh, working on aging, regenerative medicine, stem cell biology, and translational sciences. Um, And my interest in aging really starts from a very young age. Uh, And always this idea in mind of, you know, what is really aging? We can age at different rates. And we're talking about the biology of aging, really not the chronological age, right? This is a process that we know that can be uh, accelerated in healthy people, you know, we can see prematurely aging, uh, like in cancer survivors, even pediatric cancer survivors that have leukemia and they have to go under standard of care therapies, such as immunotherapies, uh, chemotherapies, radiotherapies. they prematurely age and they develop age-related diseases decades sooner. Same for COVID-19 survivors, You know, SARS-CoV-2 you know, triggers uh, you know chronic inflammatory response such as you know uh, senescence in, in, in cells like in the lungs and so those people develop age related conditions interstitial and diseases you know way sooner so that was always my question is, well if that can be changed and accelerated that can all be postponed and what really is this process so um, that was always one of my main questions and as an academic, but also in translating this into ways that can help people. So I've been involved during my career in company creation, company formations, starting companies. you know back in Europe where I was from, initially, uh, I was an, uh, an executive board member of the European Federation of Biotechnologies before moving to. US and again later from California. So that was really my main driver and interest and same reason that uh, eventually motivated me to co-found and now lead Rubeda sciences that is focusing in therapeutics that target specific pathological cells of aging like senescent cells and others in a very targeted, selective way uh, or turn biotechnologies, which is based on epigenetic reprogramming to reverse cellular age and prevent cells to become those Pathological and so very synergistic, uh, as two strategies. Um, so, but but I feel like the field is growing, this field of longevity is growing very quickly and fast. But there is also lots of confusion. There is a you know the need to be have rigorous standards and enable conversations among the experts and the public, um, to really support the growth and, and accelerate uh, the moving forward in the right directions. And that's what really inspired me in founding the FedON Institute and putting together the best in the community and create those rigorous standards and a space for communicating and sharing and, um, and support each other in this uh, mission, which is can we improve and healthy lifespan?
0: Great. So worthy cause. Marco De Maria, could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your role in the Fadon Institute and the upcoming summit?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, thank you very much, Elena. And uh, yeah, I, I'm also a basic scientist. I'm a molecular biologist uh, and uh, I got a PhD in molecular medicine from the University of Torino in Italy. And then I got postdoctoral training uh, at the Bach Institute for research on aging, uh, where I work in the laboratory of Julie Campisi before then uh, starting my independent career uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, I work mainly indeed as a basic scientist and major focus of my research uh, is indeed to understand mechanisms that are associated with the induction establishment of cellular semesters. And while actually my laboratory uses primarily model systems, uh, we are also involved in several collaborations with clinical departments where our hope is to contribute to elucidate the function of senescent cells in human physiology and pathology. And in parallel to this, I've also established a number of partnerships with small and large pharmaceutical companies uh, in order to uh, develop strategies to interfere with pro-aging and pro function of senescent cells. And among those, I also co-founded a company, CLEAR Biotech, uh, a few years ago, together with a good friend and, and colleague of mine, Peter De Kaiser. Uh, besides doing research, uh, it's also important to create community and to communicate uh, about uh, aging research. And for this reason, I also started uh, a position as president of the International Cell Senescence Association, which indeed tries to bridge various disciplines that are involved in incidence and studies. Um, and also, I started as an editor in chief for uh, uh, open access journal, MPJ Aging, uh, just recently where indeed we are trying to build a community to publish and discuss aging research at the highest level. Um, Of course, indeed, this pleiotropic interest I have, uh, including, of course, scientific, but also all the surroundings uh, about communication and and, uh, bridging, indeed, various uh, fields, uh, was really exciting for me to hear about uh, Marco Cuarta's idea of an initiative to found uh, the Fedon Institute, and I'm really excited now to uh, try to contribute uh, to this uh, activity uh, because I see a really enormous opportunity to develop a very strong platform for scientists that come from different disciplines and expertise to meet with industry experts and leaders and discuss the future steps that we need to take in the longevity field.
0: This is great. So, Marco Quarta, we talked a little bit about the Faden Institute, but could you describe it in more details why you decided to found this institute? What is the Faden Institute?
1: Yeah, so I think the inspiration really came more recently as the field of longevity uh, probably stepped outside the ivory tower of academia, where has been. No, really building up over the probably recent decades. But really the idea that can we use the biology of aging as a therapeutic opportunity, can we change this trajectory of aging was probably unthinkable until more recently, probably ten years ago or so, a little bit longer. Prior to that, even the idea of you know building companies around that that could develop new medicines around this idea. Um, was considered as an outlier, maybe more of a sci-fi than a real real possibility. Um, The scientific uh, advancements actually converged and really grew around evidence that suggests that that can actually be possible. So that then we can tap into this uh, plasticity that the biology of aging uh, drives changes in lifetime that eventually results in a decline and uh, with the diseases associated with it and the possibility that we can really change the way we think about medicine because really aging is the ultimate driving factors for all age-related diseases right when we we look at how the disease progresses, you know even when you have a predisposition that uh, uh, let's say you will uh, develop a neurodegenerative condition like Alzheimer's that still doesn't happen until you hit a certain age or there are certain let's say biological conditions that you know, defines you as a biological age where now enables the disease to develop but typically it doesn't come along so all age-related diseases uh, start to see this exponential risk every year um, to, to develop um, comorbidities altogether after this uh, biology kicks in, which the average person is around you know, between six and seventy years old. But like, as I said, that can happen sooner in life. So now we know that you know it's a multifactorial phenomenon; it's complex, but it's probably possible and. Uh, now, there are things such as certain cells, like senescent cells which we will talk about later, which is really the focus, the senescence biology of the first summit uh, that seems to be you know, one of the drivers, as master regulator of this aging process by driving chronic inflammation and is behind many other degenerative conditions. The reason I'm saying this is after these excitements and probably this, you know, uh, Opportunities and we, we we saw over the past decades um, a number of companies coming into the field. Uh, a interest that is driving also large farmers that more recently has now been probably embracing these ideas is also exploring and looking to that. Investor uh, funds and venture capitals and institutions that they started to back to this challenge and support this this work and so that is all good but also came with probably a background noise the way i saw it Uh, while until these studies were kept into the rigorous walls of the ivory tower there was this also careful progression of the field I think that there was lots of excitements, but also probably the risk of that, that they see that can come with some maybe disinformation or confusion. And now it's all together in the melting pot. So like in a scientific community it generally happens where there are you know, certain events, we see this like with the Gordon Conference and the Keystones, just to mention a few, where you know, we try to set rigorous boundaries and, uh, and and allow the community to come and have the experts acting and supporting each other and coordinating and guidelines in as the field should grow so we thought that you know it's probably time to to enable the space to have very specific areas of discussion and communication not put everything together in this kind of general term of longevity but longevity is really an aging can be you know as I said it's a multifactorial uh, biology so there are different areas and biologies and and uh, that requires their own expertise and focus discussion and that focus I think is very important to make sure that things stay on track so the federal Institute was really want to help and creating to promote this biomedical aging science it's to really increase that the, the, the the efforts in increasing the function and healthy lifestyle and lifespan and health span of, of, of humans to slow this aging process and how that can be done. But for per topic, per fields, like in senescence biology and epigenetic program, just to mention a few, and keep the public informed through the voice of the experts, the stakeholders. And so increase this knowledge in bio gerontology among physicians, scientists, entrepreneurs, um, in the others in the health fields and supporting the networking really to enable opportunities for connections to reinforce, you know, cross-functionally the nodes in the, nodes in the network um, in the longevity size and therapeutic and governance to help people who have to set rules for clinical trials or how that can impact from socio-economical standpoint if this medicine will, you know, come to fruition. Um, and so all this uh, is one of the goals that the Fed and Institute wants to do. Really create a platform and enable the stakeholders to come together, from the experts to the public, um, but focused on specific area of the field. So then we, you know, we try to maintain the clarity and uh, enable really guidelines and directions, cooperations, so that can accelerate and facilitate the growth of the field.
0: Right. You also have uh, recognized as a crucial and compelling need to promote diversity in aging research workforce. Can you talk a bit about that?
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely. And and because, in a way, reflecting how the field uh, from a scientific standpoint, is diverse and requires different, you know, mindset and and offers opportunities to really integrate everybody. There are no differences in culture, in gender, in in orientations. And uh, and that's a beautiful space where we actually see, um, interestingly, lots of excitement from younger people and from um, maybe less recognized uh, groups that w- are attracted by this opportunity and challenge to really shape the future of medicine. And so it's what a the better place to welcome everybody and really uh, and make sure that science can uh, have the uh, equal opportunity and voice from everybody. And so I really care about this and I hope that the Federal Institute really can support and enable integration Across everybody that are interested to join this field and, and this uh, this challenge in generating, you know, in developing new medicines based on longevity and biology.
0: Yeah, they probably should also take into consideration that aging happens differently in women, different, you know, differently in people in different races. So that's probably something that also should be supported.
1: Uh, yes, that's a very important point. Thank you for pointing this out, right? That, you know, we want to make sure that. As this will the field the science develops doesn't become a science built around a minority that doesn't represent the in a way a, a selected minority right but as you said aging is not the same for everybody and if we want to make really this accessible to all um, the, the entire community. and all all levels of the community, or layers, we need to take into account all of that. Uh, Different genetic backgrounds, different genders, different lifestyles, different communities uh, will age differently. And uh, and that's something important to keep in mind and and being uh, represented by everybody in this advancements of science is important so we don't create
0: biases. Great, thank you. So, uh, Marco de Maria, how do you see the academia and industry coming together with the help of the Don Institute to facilitate aging and longevity research?
2: Yeah, uh, that's uh, of course um, something that I think that in in longevity uh, research is uh, happening somehow. That academics are more and more involved uh, with uh, companies. Uh, They are partnering with uh, various. uh, Industry uh, leaders in the pharma space. Um, So, of course, there are already some, some crosstalks that are happening. But um, again, maybe to uh, go back to something that uh, Marco Quarta was uh, mentioning before, we need to have these uh, a little bit more on a structured way, a little bit less with a little bit less of uh, background noise, because I think that there is also the risk that uh, in these times, uh, opportunism kicks in. So, many academics look for partnerships with industry uh, simply to get funding. And this is also some sort of necessity because, indeed, in academia, there is a scarcity of funding for aging research. Um, so, part of it is, you know, part of, to compensate uh, for this lack of money for academic research. Of course, partnering with industry is uh, a good way to go. Uh, but it also has to be something um, structured, something that will lead us to produce something helpful for people, for treatment, for uh, the community. At the moment indeed, there is a lot of noise, uh, a lot of individual uh, um, entrepreneurship that does not really trying to link uh, the various aspects of aging. And within the same fields, we have many, many efforts that are going in parallel Um, and many individual partnerships between academic and industry, which become highly competitive and sometimes not really constructive. Um, And I can tell you uh, that, for example, in the senescence field, this is uh, a reality uh, where there are many different companies that work with many different academics and there is little exchange of information. And I think that this is not the way to go uh, because we will fail in our endeavor to, uh, there will be failures in our endeavor to trying to get to uh, human treatments. Um, and it is important that we learn from our failures. And it is uh, important that we maintain communication on any aspect of what's happening in these partnerships, because otherwise we're going to miss a lot and we're just going to delay uh, the future of Asian research. So I think that's uh, one of the Indeed, goal um, uh, of Federal Institute is to uh, try to make this conversation between academic and industry at a larger level in a way that indeed we are aware of the efforts of the uh, others and we can build together uh, what is going to be the next level Uh, anti-aging interventions, which might be on essence, it might be on reprogramming, it might be many other ways, but uh, we need to really build a platform that helps this communication and we need to make people to work together instead of only to compete. Uh, And this is extremely relevant when we talk about academic and industry uh, partnerships.
0: Thank you. So one of the ways uh, Faden is going to address this challenge is by uh, generating the summit series, where it's going to be large meetings uh, taking place. Marco Quarta, could you um, elaborate a bit on that? Uh, could you tell about the goal of these summits and why you chose to focus the first summit on senotherapeutics?
1: Yeah, absolutely, happy to. So as I mentioned earlier, you know the um, it's important that, to to start to create this space of communication that is focused, focused around the different areas, uh, the different pillars uh, that are building up in this you know, new emerging space of let's say, longevity, sciences, and therapeutics. It's easy to sort of put them all together and talk about, let's say, longevity, therapeutics as a whole, and kind of jump around between topics. But uh, we believe it's that's very important but it's also very important to make sure that there is a focus on uh one topic at a time and so there is really you know not the confusion uh that you know risking to bleeding through and jumping around between topics and losing really what's going on um in as the field progresses in the Cellerus in essence has been probably one of the first, not really the first, um, we call it a hallmark of age that has been explored. Although you know, I'm personally not you know, a big fan of hallmarks of aging, uh, it's sort of a simplified way to break down the different aspects that are driving the aging process. Um, things are, I mean, not so different and it's all interconnected. So it could be a sort of a limited view, but helps to visualize and simplify. So if you want to stick to that model, there are different, I'd say, drivers of aging, and, and cellular senescence is one of them. And uh, and maybe we can talk a little bit more. Maybe I'll let Marco to 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 give a high-level view of what cellular senescence is and why it's important for aging. Uh, but it's certainly probably one of the first that's been explored as a potential therapeutic intervention. Right, those are, as we mentioned a bit earlier, and i let Mark to, to speak more about that. But so those senescent cells are accumulating as we age in potentially every tissue, and uh, you really don't die. And they're even called in a more funny way, like zombie cells, uh, because they don't die, but they are releasing, secreting factors that are toxic and uh, infecting the surrounding cells, to put it in a very simple way. But the result is that they drive this chronic inflammation that is described as inflammation that is really behind this progression of aging. And inflammation is one of the key aspects that at some point creates the conditions for tissues to start to break down enables you know the, the tumor spread or, or development or fibrosis in tissues and stem cells dysfunctions, etc. And so there was this idea, and really uh, Marco De Maria here has is, is been one of the pioneers in the field, really uh, showed how you know those cells play a key role in, in driving diseases and how removing them actually uh, and at least in animal models, can reverse this. We see some sort of biological rejuvenation effect. And so really created a lot of excitement around the opportunities. Can we translate this into humans? Can this be done if we develop drugs that can selectively remove those senescent cells those zombie cells? Can we use this to prevent the biological aging process or revert that? Uh, in in patient populations first that are you know, experiencing disease after the onset of diseases. And, uh, and those, those those drugs are called senolytics or, or other types of are you know, uh, taking advantage of the senescent biology that can really be used as therapeutic intervention. So this is all great. But from these early days to today, now I think there are lots of confusion that was created around. And there is less clarity of what we knew when the field started. And so that's where it's more important than ever that the fields comes together. And like Marco De Maria said earlier, you know, we need the communication between people who are doing these efforts, between academics, but also between industry, like with a company like ours, like weather sciences is one of those that is developing you know, certain types of you know, selective analytics. But we need to talk with the other companies that are doing the same. We need to make sure that the academics are uh, in, in around the same table. Uh, people are supporting the effort from government and finance and, and in general, really, rather than be diluted on you know, communications and events in general. Um, and so there is very really little that is done around that. Uh, the work that Marco de Mary is doing at the International Science Association is one of the few, at least just for the cellar senescence. Uh, and is focused mostly on maybe the academic science. But so that's where we want to be to work you know, together with the International Science, science Association, but expand this across the other fields and make sure that the community is well aligned and, uh, and connected together. And this is the first effort. Senotherapeutics is going to want to be the first, and uh, but there are all other areas associated with this, say other hallmarks of aging, and not, but really that are that, that how we are thinking around longevity, that needs the same space to make sure that things can be uh, fostered and supported, and so the. Um, The Fedon Institute wants to do that and create multiple summits that are highly selected and curated with the main stakeholders uh, and creating this opportunity to growth and then to create guidelines and communicate to the public how the fields can go and should go like together, coordinating. And, you know, maybe it's in the sense like Fedon Institute, the name is really inspired by uh, the, the greek uh from plato from these dialogues especially you now this what he mentioned in the republica and the symposium where the the, the Fedo is um, the idea of the immortality but uh, that including the soul and so really we want to give a soul to the field make sure that things are we're talking about longevity but we need also longevity of not just information, not that, but of the people and of the the field. And so we can really create the soul of the community. uh, So to grow and advance the field in the most effective and meaningful way.
0: Okay. So uh, Marco De Maria, uh, Marco mentioned a few times, uh, you're actually the expert on the theme for the upcoming summit. Could you talk a bit more about Seno Therapeutics?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, Well, of course, I'm one of the many people that work in this field and there are many uh, very important scientists that contributed uh, uh, to these concepts of of targeting senescent cells. Um, And well, one of the issues that, of course, Mark already uh, gave a summary of what senescence is, so I don't have to uh, repeat uh, myself here, but um, there is an important concept as well that we are realizing how senescence is actually a very heterogeneous and complex uh, phenotype. And at the beginning, of course, the idea was, well, senescent cells are bad players, uh, and we just want to get rid of them. Uh, now we are also facing that there, are a num- there is a number of uh, physiological role of senescent cells that you don't want to mess up with. <laughs> so um, we also need to grow in how we think uh, the approach to senotherapeutics. Uh, because there are different types of senescent cells with different functions. We want to target certain types of senescent cells. We don't want to target others. And of course, this is the work that cannot be done by one individual company or one individual lab, uh, academic laboratory. Uh, it, it has to be a, a common effort because if I learn tomorrow that a certain senescent cell A uh, is actually beneficial for a certain process, and then the community should be aware of this. And the companies that work on targeting CNSSL should test whether their potential intervention might uh, give some side effects because of targeting this beneficial type of CNSSL. So it, it is a very complex and pleiotropic uh, phenotype that we are trying to modulate somehow in various ways. And we started with the low-ending fruit, which was, let's just use some pan senolytic uh, drug that kill everything. Uh, but we are learning that that might not be, uh, especially for anti-aging purposes, longevity purposes, not the best way to go. Uh, it might work if we target certain diseases, right? Uh, so if we go for a neurodegenerative dysfunction or for a fibrotic disease, maybe doing uh, the type of uh, using the type of approach of killing, eliminating all senescent cells might work in the short term because it's a short-term treatment, maybe. Uh, but here, what we're also trying to work on is to really have a shift in the paradigm on how we treat people. So we don't want people to get sick and then treat them. We actually want to prevent sickness, right? We really want to work on healthcare. We want to provide people with a higher quality of life by preventing the onset of many morbidities. And the only way to do so is to target these biological processes of aging that seem to be at the basis of most of the diseases. And one of them is senescence. essence. But indeed, I don't think that the strategies we have so far are sufficient uh, to uh, actually achieve that goal because they might be too toxic to take, for example, for long period of time. So we are still really at the primordial uh, phase of this, of this field. And we have an enormous mm-hmm. opportunity to discuss among us how we move forward. We have learned a lot in the past years just because more funding arrived in the field. Uh, to be honest, I, I cannot complain about also in, in the funding that is in for senescence research. Uh, also the academic level. I mean, it's not it's too difficult to get a grant if you work on senescence, and that's why many people jump <laughs> on working on senescence because of opportunism, right? Because there is money around this field and this concept. But they don't necessarily go in the right direction if we don't communicate with each other how we approach the field. So we have learned a lot, but we are just really scratching the surface of what targeting senescence is. And I think that Again, the first summit of the Fedon Institute, which will focus on this, should also really try to have the academics that work on the 360 degree complexity of senescence and industry leaders uh, governance and really trying to understand how we can use seno-therapeutics uh, to treat aging and not just to treat age-related diseases, because it's going to be the game changer and there's going to be the real uh, um, concept of Extended health, extended health in people by preventing diseases, So we can offer really healthcare and not just sick care with a new type of therapeutics.
0: Thank you. So Marco yeah. Quarta, how do you see those summits structured? Um, what will actually take place during those meetings? And how you think that will address some of the needs outlined by the two of you?
1: Yeah, and... So maybe to, to echo what uh, Marco de Maria was saying to this point, right? Um, so this field is at the beginning. Um, I, I always say that you know the the senotherapeutic is probably like the oncology field in the seventies, where this is at the beginning. There was a naive idea: is can, like, can we can we kill cancer cells? And now we know yes, but first of all, they're very different. There is not a cancer cell; there are many. We need multiple modalities. Uh, we need combination therapies. Then yes, now we know we can cure cancer, but it's complex, complex, uh, uh phenomenon. And uh, the same is for, it's happening for the opportunity to target senescent cells with additional value proposition, like Marco de Maria said, that it's not just curing diseases, but, you know, potentially treating really the, the way we, we, we age uh, as a whole. And so that's why. You know the the, the institute the, the summit um, is uh, is organized in a way to in- have all the main active uh, you know stakeholders people who have been active in the space and contributed and not in one field but across fields. Okay. So Mark I mentioned this earlier. We don't want just academics. Um, we want only people working in basic science, but also in translational science. We want people that are developing therapeutics or in the industry, in the early stage biotech companies, all the way to late stage pharma, who are now moving and looking at this opportunity. To avoid that there are compartments and people reinvent the wheel or invent the wheel in parallel. But if you want to move this, you know, more effectively, we should cooperate and really talk and discuss. You know, there are lots of open questions. How to run clinical trials? What are good biomarkers? What are good endpoints? How can we really bring these therapeutics in the, um, uh, and make them accessible you know, to the public? And, and we need everybody involved. We need people in, in governance regulatory agents who think through these problems. And instead of doing this that everyone try to create his own little path, can we, and should we do this all together? And I think the answer is yes. Um, so it will be structured, the way we're thinking this is uh, having a different topics that really can cover all those areas from preclinical and basic biology to clinical to development. To regu- regulatory issues and problems, and so and 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 to the investment sides, um, how we should keep thinking about supporting. What are the priorities, and and, and so uh, being able to talk across the different stages and areas in the field, uh, and giving a voice to, to everyone who's working on this from different angles. And so together, the hope is to create a platform where the field can come out of this stronger over time, so that they have to make these recurring events. Mm -hmm. It's an appointment where people can come and check in, maybe set guidelines, uh, maybe publish a sort of a summary, so we can really uh, create moments to come together and discuss and align. And uh, opportunities to collaborate or create partnerships, and and think as on efforts as we all work to advance this. Um, and so we will really cover all of that in both roundtables and presentations and discussions um, and networking to you know and and putting together the most relevant uh aspects of the field and contributors in the field uh, in the same room for a couple of days so we really are creating the right environment and communication where we hope that we can really foster this and spark this type of initiatives and uh, communications around it
0: thank you will uh, participation be by invitation or can people uh, register from uh, now to this event
1: so the participation is first by invitation. Uh, Marco De Maria and myself and our scientific uh, committee is uh, is going to select uh, uh, first all the people. I mean, as much as possible, and you know, people that, who had and been actively involved and contributed in, as I said, their own spaces and fields to the the development of the science and the therapeutic development around xenotherapeutics and senescence biology. And then around that, and so as we were building the program uh, for like speakers and presenters, uh, we are accepting the registrations and we are launching the the website now. Uh, The the summit will be next year, will be in November of 2023 in the fall and uh, uh, we are opening registrations now but it's a limited number so again we want to keep this very focused and make sure that people who come are aligned and can contribute with the community so we can really keep the focus on on around meaningful contributions and conversations and so we invite everybody to apply we ask to submit a CV and a short letter of intent, and uh, and, and then there will be a peer review process where we will um, select all the you know based on you know the general consensus uh, and all the people that at different you know stages of their career and uh, and areas of contribution uh, in the field, but that can best. Uh, contribute in this summit and in the conversations. So we will keep the limited number um, to have not too many people, and and really make sure that there will be a focused conversation. Um, So we expect that opening the registration now, and probably mid-next year, uh, around the end of of spring, we will uh, conclude the peer review process and close registrations then. Uh, people can start to apply. Among the participants, we invite everybody to submit abstracts. So we will have a poster session, so everybody can show and share their work. But also, we will select among those uh, some that can also you know, be part of the uh, panel to speak and, and join some of the other stakeholders. And again, it will all be a peer review process.
0: Great but those also include um people from government right uh, people um taking uh role in investment and venture capital so absolutely are they are are they going to write up an abstract as well
1: yeah we hope so <laughs> it doesn't have to be a scientific poster but it could be a, any no any con, any aspect or of their work that is supporting contributing in the field it could be a you know someone from uh let's say a non-profit organization that is uh you know for advocacy mm-hmm. of uh, you know the certain you know cultural groups or uh or supporting the longevity field and but, but specifically with a focus on in essence uh, therapeutics through governments or agencies or Anyone is welcome uh, if they think they can contribute to this, uh, to the growth of the field.
0: Perfect. Thank you. So the Faden Institute uh, and all its initiatives are a collaborative effort. Marco de Maria, could you please expand uh, about the collaboration with ICSA, the Buck Institute and others?
2: Yeah, so the ICSA um, is now almost a 10 year old uh, association, uh, which uh, indeed try to have SNS and scientists, many academics, uh, mostly basic scientists, but we are more and more uh, engaging uh, clinicians and clinical uh, researchers uh, in the community um, to indeed try to at least meet once a year to discuss the advancements in the field. And we have seen uh, an enormous change in the past uh, couple of years, three years, uh, where there is also an enormous interest uh, from companies to uh, join our meetings, to talk at our meetings, to get a slot for for a talk, for a presentation, to present a poster, um, to engage with scientists, and uh, try to see where the opportunities are, and. So we think that, you know, we have learned quite a bit in terms of how we need to uh, communicate among these different uh, levels and different disciplines. So we think that the contribution that ICSA can also make to improve the conversation and discussions uh, that will happen within the federal institute, uh, in this case for the Senescence Summit and seno Summit, but also in the future for other summits, uh, because we can learn from each other how um, indeed uh, we can reach uh, these different uh, uh, disciplines, the different fields, different people. Um, and part of the ICSA is also to try to sensitize uh, people to advertise uh, senescence research among the public. Um, so we are also trying to think about public events and the way outreach, ways to communicate, uh, how we think we can improve health of people, quality of life of people by using seno-therapeutics and by learning more from uh, senescence, from studying senescence. Um, and I think that, again, is very well aligned with what the Federal Institute wants to do because we can also serve as a platform to communicate uh, to people how uh, we indeed can improve quality of life uh, with this... Uh, new concepts of intervening on basic mechanisms of aging and not only to trying to cure and treat uh, diseases one at a time. Um, So this, of course, is part of it. And then, of course, we have this uh, partnership with the Buck Institute, which will host the first uh, summit at least. Uh, And the the Buck is, of course, at my heart because I I spent there a few years uh, and I I really think that is, again, another exceptional uh, place where aging research is uh, bit, uh in 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 the best uh of its uh, form and shape because most of the uh, relevant scientists in in the field senescence and many others are working there so uh we can also i think learn from them and help them to uh, continue this excellent work on uh you know, understanding mechanisms of aging and
0: targeting them. Great. So as we wrap up, I'd like to talk a bit about the podcast and uh, what our listeners uh, can expect from that. Uh, So uh, we plan to release new episodes about uh, every four to six weeks, hosting different experts on signs of aging and longevity, discussing not only research, but also therapeutics, regulatory issues, financial and other aspects of the growing field. Marco Quartet, would you like to expand a bit at that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. The, um, the podcast is one of the, the different, you know, channels and uh, spaces that we are created to you know, expand this knowledge. And we want to not to wait the summit, right? We can start giving voice to the experts. And so uh, we all the invited speakers and people that are involving and as the initiative will grow over time, um, uh, we'll have an opportunity to share and to talk and to anticipate some of the topic or really to expand on some of the the discussion that we expect to have uh, next fall in 2023. And so we're starting now, this is the very first, but uh, we we want to uh, initiate this conversation maybe more uh, offline like that in anticipation to uh, the summit. So when we can actually come together, but also to give opportunity to uh, to share with others to the community. So if there are more questions, follow up, people can listen, can reach out to us and we can start to collect feedback and uh, can be very helpful uh, when we actually come in person at the summit and discuss. And then following after that, that can continue, and so that this podcast becomes also, a, you know, a media outlet in a sense that we can use to continue this conversation and follow up, and uh, and somewhat uh, bridge this summit with the next that is coming will come mm-hmm. uh, after, and and so without interrupting this conversation and maintaining the. The discussion available on the website and on the web, so people can always go back and listen.
0: Perfect. Would you like to mention any sponsors?
1: Oh, well, for sure. The, we we just started, uh, and we have you know some sponsors at the initial. Uh, the main sponsor is Robeda Life Sciences at the moment, and at the Buck Institute. But uh, uh, we are in, in now initiating the, the sponsoring campaign and so if anyone in the in the field wants to contribute and be involved so please reach out to us uh we can write directly to the uh, fedon institute at info at fedon or to me at marco at rubedolife.com and uh, and you know, it's it's definitely once you participate and support what you're doing, uh, there are many ways to do that. Uh, so don't hesitate, please do. It's definitely important uh, to to have as much support as possible to give as much space and opportunities to the community to grow as possible.
0: Great, thank you. So I want to invite our listeners to share this episode with anyone who's interested in aging and longevity fields be it in the industry or academia, scientists and business professionals. In the notes for this episode, we will link to our website, LinkedIn and Twitter accounts, as well as the relevant emails. Uh, We would definitely love to hear from you about uh, your thoughts about this podcast, but also, of course, on the Fedon Institute and Initiative. Please don't hesitate to write to us. Remember to follow this podcast to get information on the release of the next episode. Marco and Marco, thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you, Elena. Thank you, you, Eleanor. And thank you, Marco.